0: Where does it go? Where does it go? All of that cast-off junk. Where does it go? Welcome to Where Does It Go?
1: A podcast about the life cycles of people, places, and things. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Sarah.
1: And today, Sarah, I'm going to talk about where TV show wardrobes go. Cool. There are
0: some good wardrobes out there.
1: There are. And I was curious about this after trying to find a picture or a screen grab or something of a specific outfit for the character Rose Nyland from the Golden Girls. And I cannot find a catalog of Golden Girls costumes. So I may have to make a catalog of Golden Girls costumes just because that's if I see that something needs to be made, I... It may very well make it. So keep keep a lookout for a new blog.
0: So was it was it like a regular thing that she was wearing, or was it an actual like costume that she was wearing? Because it might just be her regular clothes.
1: <laughs> it was definitely a costume because it was like a windbreaker sweatsuit type thing. Okay. And it's definitely not something Betty White was wearing because usually you would see her at like an event. Or guest starring on something. And so... And it just... It was definitely an outfit that I'm thinking of. And it might have been some... The Arthur War instead or something like that. But there's no visual catalog of Golden Girls costumes available to the public. So it made me think about, like, where do TV show wardrobes go?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And so... Television shows and television studios often have their own wardrobe departments and costume stylists and designers. And it depends on whether it's a reality television show, a panel kind of talk show feel, uh, or a more involved drama, stuff like that as to what the costuming needs are. And ultimately a lot of wardrobe items end up being thrown away if they're not very expensive because storing something that's a $10 t-shirt or something like that, that you bought it forever. 21 isn't worth the studio's time. And so that's one thing that can happen to television show wardrobe items is they get thrown away, but uh, there's a lot of other different things that can be done with them. I found out. Uh, And so The most common thing that happens is the more expensive pieces that the rule of thumb that I saw uh, was over a hundred dollars are cataloged before they're used when they're purchased by the studio. uh, And then they are cataloged after they're used and then they're stored in a, a, a studio owned costume rental house. And so that costuming material will end up being stored for as long as they want to store it. Uh, Actors may want to borrow pieces, particularly, I would assume, for either contemporary shows, like let's just say something, a show that's famous for its clothes, like Sex in the City.
0: An actor might
1: want to borrow something for an event, but they tend to need to be returned. Or the the costumes may be loaned out to other productions, and then there's also the opportunity for the studio to reuse the costumes for future shows. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing to try to spot where certain certain shows that had very sort of expensive or iconic outfits. Uh, Gossip Girl is an example that came up a lot that will be reused in future productions. So there's a lot there's a lot of Cataloged storage, uh, loaning them out by the studio, and then uh, potentially just reusing them. There's also uh, the occasional outfit that is particularly iconic that is displayed uh, often in rotating collections that are shown in studio tours. So it may be something that the studio wants to keep and actually display regularly versus just storing. Okay. Okay. Now, studios don't always purchase items. They may actually rent them. And there are a lot of costume rental houses that are not studio owned. And so they may just have to catalog them carefully and return them. And there's likely sort of a deposit situation and insurance on the costumes. So this is very sort of... it's, It's surprising and not surprising how rigorous... The process is, particularly for studio-owned television shows, of making sure you know where these items of clothing have come to and gone from. Now, it's not always entirely practical to keep massive uh, amounts of clothing. Because if you think about, say, a, a panel show like The View, you have five to six panelists. You have a show every weekday. You have at least one outfit per panelist, which is multiple items of clothes per panelist. You're not likely to reuse a lot of them. You might if the panelist particularly likes a piece of clothing. But a lot of times the clothing used in shows like that, are it's sort of an advertisement. And so if it's been purchased, storing it doesn't make any kind of sense. Uh, so there's a few different ways... They can be disposed of. Like I said, some pieces, if they're not very expensive, are just tossed. Uh, Some are sold in costume and prop sales by a studio, which is open to the public. But that's becoming less common. It's probably unappealing to have a bunch of public wandering into a sale. It's a lot of management. So there have been multiple businesses that have arisen to help liquidate studio stock they no longer want uh it's a wrap in burbank california and the prop store and i'll include in the show notes just links to these just so you can see uh it's a wrap hollywood uh probably does excellent business but they have a terrible website and i highly recommend that they update it from it looks like it's from 1998 so
0: We need we need to put that on our road trip. We need to have it on our road trip list. I'm going to add it. I think that would be so much fun.
1: I would love to go. I was disappointed. So Prop Store sells wardrobe pieces and props and has an online presence. Uh, but it's a wrap. Hollywood does not have online selling. Uh, so if they say they do, but they don't. Anyway, <laughs> it's an interesting website. But I would like to dig through propstore.com or .com and see what they have for sale. Uh, so sometimes it's sold to the public. Sometimes the items are, and apparently this is pretty common, items are sold to staff in the studio in sort of a fire sale at the end of production or are just given to the co- back to the costume designers or managers, particularly for smaller productions or indie productions. And then they have to figure out what to do with an entire show's worth of clothing and things like that. So... Uh, a lot of times you will find pieces just donated because who wants to manage an entire wardrobe of stuff. Uh, So donation to local charity shops happens. And particularly if uh, the producers in a show want to lay off their creative staff early, they'll instruct them to get rid of everything as soon as possible versus having creative staff stay on to the end of production Uh, And then manage disposal or cataloging or whatever of the wardrobe. Sometimes it's not worth the expense. And so they'll just tell them to get rid of everything. Uh, So that happens sometimes. And they often, that group, they had no transportation for the wardrobe for the entire production. And so they had no way to get it anywhere that would be paid for. So it was either they had to do it themselves or they had to find someone to come get it. And so they found a charity group that would come and they came like once a week, every week to take a third of an entire production's worth of costumes. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, Enormous undertaking. I can't, it just sounds awful. (laughs) So uh, one thing that can happen with items, this is a quote from a com article. One year at Christmas, the wardrobe supervisor asked me to repair a bunch of bullet holes in winter coats from a, a, I think it was a mafia show. (laughs) So we could donate them to the annual New York Cares Coat Drive, which I thought was nice.
0: That is nice.
1: So, you know, sometimes the wardrobe goes to immediate use. And so sometimes it gets sold to people or sold to staff. Sometimes uh, actors are allowed to keep pieces. From their oh, wardrobe. that would be
0: the best part of the job.
1: And it's not uncommon for it to be written into an actor's contract, particularly a main character actor, uh, you know, a lead versus an extra. And unfortunately, sometimes costume pieces go missing. And so, uh, and it's often assumed that somebody has stolen them and it's often assumed that it, an actor is the one who's done it. And it can, it can put wardrobe personnel in a bind if a costume piece goes missing before production is wrapped or if it's a piece that the studio's accountants will notice has been missing and they may have to actually go out and purchase another piece, a wardrobe piece, out of, out of their own pocket.
0: Oh, no. Yeah,
1: so it's just unfortunate to see that that happens. It's not surprising because people from any field will take anything. But... Actors are not typically allowed to keep their costumes unless it is either written into their contract or they sort of beg or, or request from production that they be able to have a piece or purchase it. Uh, some costume designers, particularly the design custom pieces uh, like for shows like Vikings or some of the period dramas, uh, will be allowed to buy back their designs. So technically, the studio owns the pieces of clothing, but designers will often be allowed to purchase back their own designs, or at least some of their own designs, if they want to keep an outfit for a studio tour or something like that. But that you know, they the designer may be able to have other pieces.
0: That must be frustrating for a designer. I'm just thinking, like I've designed this beautiful piece and. I know no one's ever going to use it because it is specifically one person's measurements and I know they're just going to get tossed.
1: Yeah. And uh, one story in one of the articles I read was that an actor who it was said he had odd proportions. It didn't elaborate, but (laughs) he had had there his for his character. There'd been a bunch of custom suits made. And so he was really excited to have the opportunity to purchase a batch of suits that were made for him and properly made for him. And so sometimes it can be a huge benefit for like oddly shaped or sized actors. Uh, There's a woman who, a woman in one production who was an actor is, is like six foot one and she fit really well into a costume that had been used for the Henry the eighth production with Jonathan Reese Myers
0: okay so
1: she fit into his costume so they repurpose costumes with different pieces added or removed or whatever and can get really creative with it for like who needs what piece particularly if an actor or an actress is uh differently proportioned than you might expect uh so it's kind of cool so how do you find these things if you're looking for them because uh, i 've basically gone through everything that happens they they get sold, they get kept, they get tossed, or they get donated. Oh, I meant to mention that uh wendy Williams, and i don 't know if other shows do this, but I know Wendy Williams has done several wardrobe auctions for charity, so it is not uncommon to also auction off either well known pieces or pieces that are like Wendy Williams is the head of her own show it 's the wendy williams show it's it's like uh it's like it's less common to have one person be on a talk show at this point, but it, it used to be super, super, super common. And now it's just kind of a thing that some people have hung on to versus a panel show. And so if somebody is well known for being fashionable and the studios purchased outfits for them, they can be auctioned off for charity as well. But those pieces can get very expensive because it's for charity it will be typically fans who really appreciate the person more than the piece. So it's sort of an essentialism of like, this is a Wendy Williams pair of tennis shoes because she wears tennis shoes a lot uh, versus just I'm buying a pair of tennis shoes or I'm buying a secondhand pair of tennis shoes because that's what you're technically purchasing from Wendy Williams if she's worn them is a secondhand pair of tennis shoes. But because she's worn them, it adds, what's the word? Provenance? (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a good word for it. It adds provenance. It adds provenance.
1: Exactly. And so it can add to the value. So how do you find specific items? Now, there are a bunch of aggregators, content or information aggregators, that will help you find similar but not the same items from particular shows, particularly modern shows. So they'll help you find something that looks like something the character wore. You can also find costumes from shows at if you're around an area where there are studios garage sales studio sales auctions charity shops costumes go everywhere vintage shops if it's an older costume like for golden girls at this point it would go to uh, a vintage shop versus a thrift store and then you can find some online now, I I don't, I haven't looked into any of this, so I'm absolutely not recommending this as like a first place to go, uh, but eBay has a, an entire category for TV memorabilia and wardrobes. It seems to have a lot of dance moms costumes, like children's costumes from dance shows.
0: Oh, strange.
1: From, from the show Dance Moms. That just seemed to come up when I was looking at the...
0: There's a show called Dance Moms? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: It's quite. Oh, is that
0: the Honey Boo Boo show?
1: No. So she was on Toddlers and Tiaras before she had oh, her okay. own media empire. Dance Moms is takes place with regards to, I believe, a single dance studio. And oh man, there's so much drama surrounding that dance studio. And of course, there is. The 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 woman who ran the studio went to prison for a while. What? I don't remember what for, and I don't, I mean, I'm not going to comment on whether or not she deserved to be there or anything like that, because I don't know. But it's, that's how much drama surrounds that show, is that there has been prison time involved. And so there's there's claims on eBay of like this is from this show, this is from that show. Do you are you definitely getting what you're paying for? I have no idea. So that's just worth thinking about. And I'm I honestly have no idea how you'd verify that. Uh, there are occasional costume designers that will sort of tag pieces with like a little I don't I don't even know what. But there was a costume designer that said that they tagged their pieces so they could see them reused in other shows. I don't know how they managed to do that. Maybe like something. About the collar or whatever. but And then there's also a collectibles and memorabilia section of Etsy. That has some pieces that claim to be from television shows. But by and large. You either are not going to be able to purchase a costume. Or you are going to have to go through a studio liquidator. Or make friends with people who work at television studios. So that's where they go
0: wow i'm so excited like i i really want to go to these places and see i love shopping for vintage so covid needs to get over emily so that we can go on this trip
1: <laughs> i agree and nick immediately said are you gonna go there like you're going to the place where all the junk from the airplanes goes oh, so. God, yes. <laughs> so i would enjoy that and uh one thing i did forget to mention is that sometimes particularly if a piece is re- connected to a television show that is has become a key component of American history I talked about Bob Ross having art in the Smithsonian he has art in the Smithsonian next to stuff from Mr. Rogers neighborhood and I think Julia Child's cooking show and things like that and so these are television shows that likely have pieces of clothing donated from studios or purchased from studios. So that's just another thing to think about is they can end up in museums. Yeah,
0: that's so cool. I'm so excited. I have this thing about sequins and glitter. So I'm like, I'm I'm assuming there's a stores in California just full of sequins and glitter costumes.
1: Probably. And <laughs> it's probably pretty fascinating to see, say... Like the costumes from M.A.S.H. next to the costumes from I don't know what studio did M.A.S.H., but let's just assume next to the costumes from Cabaret. Uh, yeah. Or like or, or like Solid Gold, the Solid Gold dancer costumes or, yeah. you know, <laughs> just fascinating because shows can be so different and produced by the same studio. What do their costume warehouses look like?
0: Amazing.
1: Yeah. So that's where costumes go. Television content. I love
0: it. Thank you. Sure. (laughs) I'm taking a completely different turn, as is, as happens in this show so many times. We are unrelated. (laughs) 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 I'm going to talk about where the through holes in your body go. So... Emily, how many through holes do you think the human body has? So I'm going to classify that. So a through hole is a hole that goes in one way and out another, like completely out. It goes out not the way it came in.
1: Right. And I'm I'm thinking, so can it be a closed circuit, like our lungs? No,
0: that's a blind hole.
1: Okay. So it has to be a through hole. Just one then, or like one one it's all one system isn't it is it
0: yeah we're gonna talk about that and you can decide afterwards okay (laughs) (laughs) so there's the obvious one and I think the one that you're talking about is the mouth to the butthole journey the mouth to the anus journey I'm also thinking uh, of
1: nose and eyes because your eyes drain into your nose and into your digestive system that's just something I'm thinking about
0: yes and we'll get into that. Okay. So so this has made people liken us to donuts, basically. We're just uh, <laughs> meat around a tube, basically meat around a hole that goes out. Um, I've never eaten a donut with miles of pipe work inside of it. So uh, I don't think about it that way, but it's definitely an interesting thing to think about. So, our, our gastrointestinal system, and um, this is the main crux of the whole matter, is pretty amazing and complicated. As, as you may know, <laughs> food goes in your mouth, goes down the throat into your GI tract, and the digestive system takes what it needs. Then it makes a long travel down into your intestines, uh, or in the case of your uh, pee into your kidneys and then into your bladder and then as pee or you poop. So it comes, goes in one way, comes out the other. So what about the other holes? I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna mention some holes in here. We're not gonna get too into depth with this. So there's the nostrils, the ears, the urethra as I mentioned, the vagina, obviously the anus, but we, there's also hair follicles, sweat glands, Sebum or oil glands, the tear ducts, the pores in your skin. And if we get small enough, talking about the neutrino level, we're actually not even solid anyway. <laughs> so that's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> we're
1: just clouds wandering around.
0: Exactly. So let's talk about the nose. So we've got two nostrils. The nostrils lead into uh, the nasal cavity but they dead end in the sinuses. So uh, the air you breathe goes into your nasal cavity, into your trachea, and then into your lungs. It's a dead end. The CO2 you exhale either goes basically goes in reverse so it goes out your nose or mouth depending on if you're breathing in or out if you've had a cold you've had the completely unpleasant sensation of swallowing snot and it going down your throat and ending up making your stomach hurt because it's basically going into your GI tract like we were talking about earlier yep And then there's your eye cavities. And so what I mean by eye cavities is underneath your squishy, your squishy eyeball, (laughs) uh, there's your eye sockets, which is the bone around it. Your, your, and if we were skeletons, I mean, obviously, if you put something in your skeleton eye socket without all the meat and stuff around it, something would fall out. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So your eye sits in a nice big eye socket, um, and it's surrounded by conjunctive tissue. And um, so this conjunctive tissue doesn't really go anywhere. Obviously, your eye socket... Your eye, your actual eye, your little squishy ping pong ball in your head, that goes back into your brain so it can interpret how you see the world. But generally, if you try to insert anything into your eye socket and make it go down anywhere, it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to be a dead end and don't do it.
1: (laughs) Have you heard heard the Isaac Newton story about what he did to his eyeball? What? So he was just curious one day, and so he stuck a long pin next to his eye into his eye socket just to see where it went.
0: Oh yeah, I can see that. He was such a weirdo. <laughs> you know, so many people are, and I think that it's just when we talk about normal for the human, for humans, I don't think there is one.
1: <laughs> no, not really. you right.
0: Yeah, we're all just insane. <laughs> so the tear ducts, so this is special. So the tear ducts are, are basically the bathing system for your eye. So above the outer corner of your eyes, so there's one above, one below. Um, it makes tears if you cry, obviously you're... going to cry uh, tears and it will actually make some fluid go down your nose as well so you might get a runny nose so the lacrimal ducts that is a that is a through hole that is a hole that will go so you can put a tiny piece of something string i don't know i don't know why the heck you would do this but you can actually take something and go through your lacrimal ducts and it can go into through your nose or through your mouth or down your throat into your gi tract and eventually out your butt (laughs) i don't know why you do that but you can sure but it's 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 basically going into the main system so we'll talk about later is that actually a through hole And then, of course, your ears. Your ears are blind holes uh, because of your eardrum. If you try to stick anything large into it, it's going to stop at your eardrum. Um, So your eardrum is basically just doing its job and your ear is pretty much protected. But if you get rid of your eardrum, um, stuff can get through your eustachian tubes and eventually into your throat. And again, into your GI tract and out your butt. <laughs> so then uh, when we talk about holes, we talk about the vagina. The vagina is a blind hole, obviously, for a good reason. You don't want the baby to come out your mouth. That would be horrible.
1: <laughs> it would be an adventure. Jeez. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the vagina dead ends at the uterus, um, fallopian tubes. You're not going to pretty much go anywhere out that way. And though if um, a person is growing a baby in their uterus, and I'm not going to say male or female because even even um, people who identify as men can have uteruses, the baby has an umbilical cord and she gets her food and her waste through the parent and gets rid of her waste through the parent system. Um, this doesn't stay in the uterus, but it is again flushed with the uh, parent's own system. With the bathwater, if you were. <laughs> <laughs> the, then there's the urethras, and the urethras are really just an exit hole for the digestive system, as I mentioned earlier. The water are the fluids you drink out of your mouth, probably not your nose, that would sting. Uh, is separated by the GI system filtered by the kidneys, travels from the ureters into the bladder. and then the bladder uh, exits through your urethra. Obviously, some people are different and they have waste that exit a different way because of surgery. Um, but generally, this is how it works. So is this technically a through hole or a fork in the main hole? That's a question. What do you think?
1: It is a question. I would say, I would vote that if different inputs are going to the same output and it's considered one system, then different inputs forking to different outputs, if it still has to go through the same middle, would be the okay. same
0: Okay. Interesting. And then uh, the sweat, hair follicles, pores. Those are blind holes. Um, that's because your skin, hopefully, it's doing its job. The, the dermis, which is uh, the, the layer underneath the epidermis, is f- uh, fed by blood vessels. Uh, your pores, sweat, and oil glands and hair follicles are dead ends. Um, and they all protect your skin. They protect you from the outside world. And you can be poisoned by substances um, touching your skin, getting through the layers of your skin and into your blood and that's how you can be poisoned by it but that's not what I'm talking about that's not a through hole that's just kind of like a sponge
1: <laughs> yeah it's not not as much exactly. of a system or at least not a much of an intended exactly. system function I guess and
0: then um, of course if we talk about sweat and hair follicles we're going to talk about nipples and the milk duct orifices, because we do have a few holes in our nipples. We actually have more than one you might be. Well, Emily's not going to be surprised by because she's had a child. Um, yeah. yeah but <laughs> but uh, what pe- what we aren't taught could. Yeah, and I'm not going to but... go into everything we haven't been taught because that's called medical school. <laughs> 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 so these, uh, these holes actually... Uh, Go to the milk ducts, and they have little sphincters that close, hopefully, to prevent you from leaking out uh, breast milk when you're breastfeeding. But they're blind holes. They don't go anywhere else. They feed your baby. That's it. And they're done after you're done breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. So yep. I mentioned a few things. So has your answer changed, Emily? Is it one? Is it seven? Is it Nine? I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. go with one. So that's interesting, and it all depends on how you think about it. So uh it could be seven because we have two nostrils to anus, four lacrimal ducts to the anus, and one mouth to the anus. So that's seven. But it's all leading okay. to the same place, so could it potentially be one? And then you could add the other The other two, like your mouth to your urethra and your nose to your urethra because of liquid that goes through there. But it's all going, again, it's all going through the same place. So is it one or is it seven or is it nine? I don't know. I haven't decided myself. That's why I asked you. Like, (laughs) I think it's interesting that essentially we actually only have one through hole. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or we can think we can of it think that way. Of it
0: that way. But I don't know. It's up to you to decide. You guys can email us and, and ask us and tell us that you're like, no, we have nine. No, I have 25 because I'm an alien. Um, and by all sure. means, if you're an alien, let us know about all your through holes. Well, maybe not. I don't know if I want to know about all your through holes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go
1: to medical school in space. <laughs>
0: But yeah, that's where our through-hole goes. It goes into our nose or mouth, at our butt. Pretty much all of our through-holes is one. So are we donuts? Complicated donuts? I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like bagel might be a better analogy than a donut just because donuts are always covered in sticky junk and I don't really want to think about people being covered in junk. <laughs>
0: We are, though. We are covered in junk.
1: It's true. And sometimes, and actually, a lot of bagels are covered in junk.
0: I, I wonder what flavor bagel I would be. I really like everything bagels.
1: I do, too. I have a thing of everything bagel seasoning. It's delicious. I might go have eggs with that on it right now. Yeah, I, I'm actually <laughs> pretty
0: sure that that's what I'm going to eat after we're done here. so you decide uh one seven nine it's up to you but it all goes through the same through hole it's all a wonderful connected system obviously some people are different um because they have you know various medical issues and they have you know colon colon uh what is that called uh colostomy bags or whatever but in general this is what we're talking about
1: Yeah, you can alter a system. You can make new holes. Oh, and if
0: you get, obviously, if you get piercings and you make new holes, then you have more through holes. (laughs) That's true. Technically accurate. Yeah, (laughs) technically accurate, but I don't, (laughs) I mean, unless you have a giant, like, if you take a, a giant piercing from one of your tear ducts into your, like, cheek then that's a through hole but you know i don't I, I don't know why you would do that but you know no judgment
1: <laughs> i feel like that wouldn't be very a very good idea just from a facial nerve damage yeah. perspective
0: it might get infected really easily yeah, too
1: whatever yeah,
0: yeah. but anyway <laughs> that's our through hole and it goes pretty much where you think it does
1: yeah i mean we're probably all Anybody who's capable of listening to this is probably pretty well acquainted with the processes their body goes through. I hope so. They might not fully understand everything about it, but they probably have a good idea of, like, ins and outs.
0: Yes, hopefully.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, what made you want to look into this? I'm very curious.
0: I was actually just curious as to how many through holes we actually have. Like I was, I was honestly curious. Like I was thinking of them and I didn't, I didn't even think the lacrimal ducks, I didn't think they were through holes. Like I didn't consciously think about it. I was just like, oh, well they can't possibly go anywhere. They just come out your eyes. And then I was like, oh, but when you cry, you, your nose runs.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so I didn't even think about that. And then someone told me that if, or I saw it on a video or something, that if you rub an onion or garlic onto your feet, that in like a couple of hours you can taste it. I was like, why? That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. I don't want any foot garlic.
1: Yeah, it sounds horrible. Yeah,
0: but I may actually try it. <laughs> I mean, go yeah. for it. Let's see if I can have some foot garlic here. It's probably
1: not dangerous. Oh, I doubt so, and it. it. Might be, like, and it might be interesting. So, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but then how can I separate like the smell of garlic from the taste of garlic? Because our smell is so wrapped up in our taste a lot of our taste is our smell as you've talked about before in the senses where the senses go when you did that one right yeah so I was like how so I would probably have to plug my nose and then rub my the garlic on my feet and then immediately put like a sock on or something and then see later if I'm like oh I have a garlic taste in my mouth Like, I would have to separate the very strong garlic smell from actually tasting it later, which I don't know if that's possible. I got no idea. Yeah. Anyway,
1: report, please report back.
0: Yeah, go ahead and rub (laughs) some garlic on your feet. (laughs) And let us know.
1: (laughs) We are not doctors. Oh,
0: God, no. I don't have the attention span for that kind of schooling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Me either. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Uh, so that was where TV wardrobes go, and where body through holes go. <laughs> They're very different things, ultimately. <laughs> uh, and you can find us and where we go on where does a podcast dot com. You can also uh, let us know about the through holes in your body the number of them that's all we really want to know I don't uh, want it... to
0: have any details about your through holes thank you
1: I'm I am also satisfied with the amount of detail I have about other people's through holes <laughs> uh, so you can email us at where does it podcast at gmail.com We are on Instagram and Twitter most often I think we have a Pinterest. You're welcome to uh, donate to us on our website to keep our to keep our servers serving our serving our podcast. If you'd like, uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon. dot com. Uh, you can find everything at our website. Should you be curious about links, and uh, thank you. Have a good have a good week, everybody.